Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along on this frosty morning and certainly looking out the window this morning, it has, it's like a picture postcard, a Christmas scene and in the all areas covered in white and it's that glistening uh, frost. Uh, it really is that kind of Christmassy feel about it. And if you're one of those people who like the idea of possibly having a white Christmas this year, I can burst your bubble for you now because the hopes of a white Christmas has taken uh, a bit of a hit with a long term weather forecast indicating that December we're going to see sunshine and showers rather than any snow and because of that a lot of bookmakers are reckoning now only an outside chance of snow on Christmas Day. Now Met Aaron, who we all rely to for our weather forecast, they will never predict a month away. The most they will give is a week to 10 days so they're not in any way getting involved on what they expect the weather forecast to be like here in Ireland for Christmas Day. But AccuWeather they, and a lot of people swear by AccuWeather they always give long range forecasts. They're indicating that they believe for Ireland December is going to be relatively mild conditions. I think a lot of people will welcome that. They're predicting predicting that for Christmas Day itself we'll see brief spells of bright sunshine and that will be interrupted by rain showers with temperatures of around 10 degrees for Christmas Day and Christmas Eve they're tipping to be the best conditions over a three day festive break and it's always nice if you've got good weather on Christmas Eve because it's a nice day to get out and about and that weather forecast from AccuWeather for Ireland for Christmas is in sharp contrast to the weather company. They're another company that produce weather forecasts. They're the crowd who are indicating that the United Kingdom will be facing up to 40 days of snow and ice. They've predicted minus 14 degrees Siberian temperatures due to what they're calling an Arctic bubble that's going to affect the United Kingdom. Now, you can stay in the United Kingdom. We certainly don't want an Arctic bubble and temperatures of minus 14 degrees in Ireland for uh, Christmas. That's for sure. I'll stick with Acqui weather, uh, weather and their predictions and we'll wait and see what Met Aaron has to say in a couple of week, weeks' time. But definitely a real feeling of Christmas this morning when I was driving to work. You can see a lot of people over the weekend have put up their Christmas tree. I think the certainly the Late Late Toy Show on Friday it's become almost a tradition in a lot of households that the Christmas tree goes up. My social media was flooded with photographs of people having decorated their Christmas tree and had it done in time to sit down with the family and to watch the Late Late, which is it was the toy show was I enjoyed it, I have to say, a bit of a mixed reaction to it. Some people saying, 
it's not so much about the toys anymore. But I think it's been kind of going like that over the last number of years. There was a time when it was just all to do with the toys and nothing else. It's much more now a show, I think, for all of the family. And they're trying to pitch entertainment for all the family. And they're trying to, I think, take a look at the Ireland of today and give us all a glimpse into how difficult some families are having it at the moment. I mean, I think it's probably the first Late Late Toy Show that I cried more than I laughed. There was a lot of tears, but I thought Ryan Toberty did really well and it's a huge, huge production team and well done to, to everyone who took part, particularly all the very talented children. Just superb and a lot of them hailing from Cork, which was uh, great. And young Paddy, who we spoke with from Clonakilty when we spoke with him on last Friday in advance of the toy show, we saw him playing the guitar in the rock band section. Uh, he was uh, he was excellent. And actually talking of a bit, it feeling a lot like Christmas, looking in the papers today, there is a picture in page two of the Irish Times, stunning colour photograph that the they they caption it with blooming marvellous and it's Ponsetti is ready for the Christmas market and it's the a field of red Ponsettias against white Ponsettias. Well, it's not a field. I'm assuming they're all indoors, but it's just a stunning photograph. And in the middle of it is the man responsible for growing all of these Ponsettias, a guy by the name of Tom Somerville of Uni Plumo. They're based in Old Town in County Dublin and he's inspecting some of the 250,000 Ponsettias being grown for the Irish Christmas market and a photograph taken by uh, Alan Betsam. It's, it's lovely. It's just a stunning, stunning photograph. I'm very traditional about my Ponsettias. I like to buy the red ones even though looking at this photograph I was thinking mm, I might buy a red and a white one uh, this year but when you know when I'm always banging on about shopping local and I'm always my other one is the Christmas cards and the calendars to try to make sure you buy charity ones if you're buying them this year if you are uh, the, a traditional household that buys in a Ponsettia every year. Try and make sure that it does come from the Irish market as well. We, that's the way. We, it's kind of the way we can all do our little bit to support local or to buy Irish this year. And it's, the Ponsettia is a very obvious one to try and when you're buying it to make sure that it was grown here in uh, Ireland. Now, John Paul is taking your calls, whatever you want to share with us today. We would love to hear from you. 1850 You can text your WhatsApp at 086 to 103 103. Now a lot to get to on the programme today in a couple of minutes. We're going to kick it off by speaking with the Minister Jim Daly. He's joining us because he at the end of last week launched the Mental Health Helpline which now operates 24-7 so we'll be getting the details of it we'll be getting the number in case you or a family member will need to uh, call it and also just talking to Jim about this because it was I'm open to correction but I'm nearly sure that when he got the position as Minister with responsibility for mental health and older people uh, it was one of the first things I think I ever remember speaking to Jim about when he started talking about this idea and this notion of having a helpline because if you were in distress in and you're suffering and battling with mental health and you need help ASAP, trying to Google what number, it's the last place your mind is going to be. So if we can get this phone number as well known as the other phone numbers like Samaritans and that, and just to get this number out so that people will be able to access it and we'll find out what information will be available when they ring this number when we talk to Jim in a couple of minutes. I think it's it's a, it's a fantastic idea and I think it's going to be a legacy of Jim Daly's that he'll be very, very, be able to be very proud of because as we know, he steps down 
as to when sometime early in the spring maybe next year when we have a general election because he's already stated he's not going to run uh, next time out he's bowing out of uh, politics we will be speaking with a Mallow based councillor who is trying to persuade Cork County Council to take back the parking in Mallow to bring it back under the control of the council as people will know if you live or work in Mallow or shop in Mallow the parking regime is operated by a private operator who can at times be overzealous and people get very upset if they feel that they've been hard done by in that the parking ticket was just out by five or ten minutes or if people didn't quite understand the parking regime they thought it was free parking they thought they were parked in an area that they didn't need a ticket they thought it was a half an hour free at the end of the hour that they paid and we've heard all kinds of stories of people who were who were at times they felt they were hard done by when we heard their story we felt they were hard done by as well and obviously the councillors are getting this in the year in that they're hearing from people who are giving out about the fact that they come to shop in Mallow or to do a bit of business in Mallow or to work in Mallow and end up getting a very expensive parking ticket. It can make your shopping speak and leave a very sour taste in your mouth after your shopping trip so we'll find out could it be possible for the council to take back control of uh, pay parking? We're hearing about an abduction in Bandon that happened, or an attempted abduction that happened in Bandon. One of those scary, scary things that happened to a teenager. So we'll talk more about that on the programme today. And a West Cork mother discusses the financial cost of a cancer diagnosis and she's going to share her own story. She had a cancer diagnosis over 10 years ago uh, and unfortunately the cancer has come back so she's got two sort of periods of her life where cancer has taken over but she's talking about the effect that it had you know the psychological effect my goodness the cancer diagnosis has but the financial one is one we don't hear a lot about it's not something that a cancer patient because usually you know if you know somebody who has cancer you're going to talk to them about their treatment and how is their treatment going and what's the prognosis and what are the doctors saying you're not going to say to many people how are you doing for cash Uh, and, and if you think about it a cancer diagnosis like a a serious cancer diagnosis will mean most people will be out of work for the duration of their treatment and that can be a long period of time it can be up to a year in some cases where suddenly the wage isn't coming in the same bills are coming into the house the mortgage still has to be paid the electricity still has to be paid the heating still has to be switched on and if you're going through a diagnosis and a treatment that can leave you feeling very unwell the heating may have to be on more than normal you've got additional costs of driving yourself to and from the hospital you've got parking charges when you get to the hospital there'll be extra items that you're going to have to buy from a medical point of view those bills just start to mount at a time when your income has been reduced and it really is a side of cancer other than once a year the Irish Cancer Society in fairness to them have been trying to push this they every year bring out a report on the cost of cancer and it's probably the only time that it gets discussed so it's going to be great today to speak to somebody who can share her own story with us and I think make everybody stop and think about the financial cost of uh, cancer. And then we're going to hear about this fantastic book that arrived on our desk last week. We get a lot of books obviously in the run up to Christmas but this was a children's book one of those great big hardback books that you'd, you'd sort of cosy up in bed with your little ones and you'd read the story to them and gorgeous illustrations inside uh, in the book and then we noticed 
that it was a book with the proceeds raised from the book is going to Focus Ireland and the book was called How Will, How Will Santa Find Us This Year and then we realised oh God this is a book about children being homeless now it isn't a sad book but you know the, the message in it is, is quite quite powerful and it does have a nice happy ending at the end of it so it is a book that you can read uh, to your children and, and I think it will get children talking about how lucky they are if they have a secure home this Christmas and I think it might make some children realise that all little boys and girls are not going to be that lucky this year that you know Santa Claus who will find every little boy and girl this year he's he's absolutely promised that but he's going to have to go look for some of the boys and girls who will be in hotels this year or who will be in B&Bs and other forms of emergency accommodation and it's, uh, Santa will have a difficult difficult job in his hand but he'll do it because he's just magic and Elise Giselle will join us because it's Monday and she'll answer all of your nutritional questions after half past 12 today so you can get them in some of your thoughts coming in on the Late Late Toy Show Breathe in Mill Street said loved the Late Late Toy Show last Friday night really enjoyed every bit of it except the bit where Ryan was throwing the toys somebody somewhere would have loved that toys would have loved that toy it makes me so cross says Breathe in Mill Street when I see things like that happen on the show and actually somebody else thank you for that Breathe somebody else on a similar vein Breathe said Patricia I thought well I'm assuming from this text that Breathe enjoyed the actual programme itself but she makes an interesting point but I thought it was ridiculous the amount of freebies that the audience get surely more could have been given to charities or to homeless people it really turns me off the programme the amount of giveaways yeah one for everybody in the audience they do walk away with a huge amount it is one of the reasons why demand for the toy show tickets they are like gold dust you talk to anyone who works in RTE and they will say every year from about September they will be getting phone calls from friends and family saying any chance uh, how do I get them and by all accounts it's very fairly done it's almost done like a lottery system you apply and they sort of draw names I've never yet heard of anyone who knew of somebody working in RTE who managed to get them tickets they just don't do it that way but that's one of the reasons that people want to go along other than you know I'm sure it's a fab night out as well but they want to go because of the amount of freebies that they get it, but is, has Bernie got a point is it too much should there be a limit on the amount of freebies that they get and maybe then instead if the businesses, because obviously the businesses have to pay so much in order to give away, to get a mention, to be one of the one for everybody in the audience. That's the criteria for it from the advertising point of view. But maybe it will be better, Bernie is right, give it to the likes of St Vincent de Paul or the various Lions clubs around the country. Any of the charities working with homeless people, would it be fairer to do it that way? Anyway, as Bernie, Bernie feels it's a turn off to the show. It's, it's almost it's almost seems a little bit greedy the amount of stuff that the people get but you don't know I suppose the audience that attend you don't know will they will you know if they don't have children at home to give the toys to maybe they'll pass them on to a local charity themselves I don't quite know I'm sure that that does happen whether it's in big numbers or not I don't know thank you for your text though to our WhatsApp to 0862103103 staying on the WhatsApp a listener says hi I live in Tallow and I've just had a hoax phone call claiming that they were from Aircom they wanted me to turn on my computer okay that's the computer scammers that's kind of a new one saying they're from Air for ages they were saying that they were with um, one of the um, 
internet companies I can't think of who, who they were they changed the name anyway every, every time they'll come up with something else Microsoft sorry so I was trying to think of for ages they were saying it was Microsoft but then the word got out and as soon as somebody received a call claiming to be from Microsoft people knew to hang up straight away would never ever switch on a computer and engage with anyone who just cold calls like that just avoid 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 and when I was talking about the possibility of not having a white Christmas this year somebody by text says hi Patricia I am so hoping you are right who wants a white Christmas anyway 1850 lines open Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration food markets Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Last week saw the launch of a new mental health helpline which will operate as a free phone number 24 hours a day. This helpline has been the brainchild of the Minister with Responsibility for Mental Health, Minister Jim Daly, who uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Now, just remember, remind us how and why you came up with the idea for this helpline. Yeah, uh, thank you, Patricia, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about on, on your show again. And as you rightly said there at the intro, or at the start of your show, that this is something I've been talking about from the very earliest of days becoming a minister, which almost two and a half years ago at this stage. It actually was born in Cork, like all good things are, and uh, I was up in Cork City within a week of being appointed minister. I was at an event in City Hall, and uh, I was walking around and being guided to all the different stands and all the wonderful organisations working in the area of mental health in Cork City were all you know, on show that they had all their brochures on the desk, were handing me their number, their cards, their everything. And uh, and I met dozens of them, literally dozens of them. And I went home that evening and I was saying, God almighty, all the good work that's been done, all the good intention that's there. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm the Minister for Mental Health. I don't know where you turn. How does anybody in a normal situation like that with a mental health issue uh, recognise where to turn to or what's appropriate or what's the difference between alone and aware and jigsaw and pay the house and cams and Samaritans and you could go on and on and you know when you see at the end of RT there every day if they do a show and it touches on a on a sensitive issue they will drop three or four or five different numbers even you know that are there available and you're kind of saying but which is the right one how would you know who to call and when to call so I, I kind of went looking then to see how many services had we actually funded under my auspices at that stage and the HC were not in a position to tell me initially because they didn't know so I asked them to go ahead and, and, and just count it and, and to see where it was so 
when the HSE counted nationally, the, the number of services, the entire countrywide that are receiving funding on an annual basis from the HSE, it was almost 1,100 services, uh, almost 1,100 different wow. services. There was well over a thousand, and you know, I think 60 or 70. That's there. incredible. All working in the some area of mental health. All working in some area of mental health and receiving funding from the HSE, and uh, so almost 1,100 different services. And yet, people will come on your show and many other shows and say there's nothing there or we can't access we don't know you know there are no services you will hear that said so often yeah. and yet the frustration I had then was well where is the billion euro plus budget which is now billion euro plus it wasn't quite that when I started but it's now well over a billion euro and I was like where is all the money going or what is going on or whatever so then I realised that look you know we have an issue here with structural uh, reform and access to services and availability of services and people understanding where to go to and where is appropriate so what you had then was uh, too many young people presenting to services like CAMS which everybody seems to know the word CAMS but CAMS is a very specialist service it's led by a consultant psychiatrist it typically has you know it's a very senior experienced team not every young person who has a mental health issue who has a bit of anxiety or whatever needs to be seen by a psychiatrist so the difference between psychology and psychiatry is typically medication um, a psychiatrist can prescribe medication a psychology is more a talking therapy intervention so every young person was being, you know, referred to CAMS or to my mind anyway, there was too many young people and then you had waiting lists that were unacceptable and you had inappropriate referrals as well. You had people who did not need to be seen at such a high level intervention service. So, Which was taking up a space from somebody who did exactly, need it. Exactly, yeah. which was preventing access arms. So the two things that I did was, one was to build in a lower level of infrastructure, if you like, of psychology into primary care, into the communities for young people. So we introduced last year 130 psychologists and assistant psychologists in the different community settings, the interpret of the country, to actually pick up, you know, young people with lesser intensive needs uh, vis-a-vis mental health, and also try to drive forward over the two and a half years the, the, the creation of the phone line. So first of all, we had to build a directory of all the services and outline where they were all geographically and you know and kind of put them appropriately into their different you know anxiety and eating disorder and you know the different depression and the different uh, issues that affect people, and put them all under those different headings. So we got all of that work done. There was quite a body of work obviously involved in that and I want to commend both my own department and the HSE for the work they did in that. So we eventually got to the place where we have a line. We were looking first of all at a company doing it for us, a private company was going to do the line, the phone line service for us. But then the National Ambulance Service stood up to the mark and said, Martin Dunn is the head guy in there. And he said, you know what, Minister? He said, uh, I think we could do that inside here. We already are taking about 600 calls a month in relation to mental health. I wouldn't, and we're seeing the out ambulances, which are, are not appropriate. Wouldn't it be very appropriate if we could uh, develop your phone line idea in here? So the National Ambulance Service have developed the line for me. It's a 24-hour line. It's seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's staffed by appropriately trained personnel. The number is 1-800, which is free phone. And it's triple one triple eight. So it's an easy enough number to remember one eight hundred triple one triple eight. And the staff manning the helplines, you say they have all received training. Have they? It was. I mean, have they received training when it comes to? Because obviously they're going to be dealing with people with suicidal thoughts, for example. Have they received training in that line? They have in in Safe Talk. They have all been trained in Safe Talk, which is the the standard training that is there for any frontline. Every member of Angarda Shikana now in Templemore is also being trained in Safe Talk. That is how to. to 
equip people if somebody with a suicidal ideation approaches you. Um, I, I have to be clear that the line is at this point in time is a referral line as opposed to a kind of a, a listening service. You know, okay. there isn't somebody at the other end that's going to start diagnosing or prescribing or, or anything like that. So, so talk us through. Somebody is looking for help. Or, or I'm assuming a family member could ring it as well, could they? Absolutely. Okay. Steve, yeah. So somebody somebody rings one eight hundred one 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 eight eight eight. What what happens from there? Okay, the first thing you'll be told is uh, ask you don't have to give details of who you are. By the way, it can be anonymous, not anybody. Okay. But ask where in the country are you and what is is the issue. So you could say, look, my young child is 15 years of age my young boy is 15 years of age he seems to be particularly anxious all the time uh, i'm just concerned about him and they will talk with you a bit more what exactly is the nature of the the anxiety is it you know prevalent all the time and so on and so forth and then they will based on that conversation and this is a trained person at the other end uh, will say to you look um, to my mind the most appropriate service for that young boy if you're jim daly you're living in clonakilty you're talking about one of your own sons there's a jigsaw service in bandon town and we would recommend to you you know, go to the jigsaw service in Bandon Town, or we recommend you go to, you know, whatever service. So basically, based on your geography and on the issue that you're presenting with, whether it's you yourself or on behalf of somebody else, uh, they will direct you True. to the and most that's appropriate the And service. that's the key. It's the most appropriate service uh, exactly. in your area. There has been a trial run. How successful has that been? Yeah, it has been very successful. They're very pleased with it up in the national. I think they've had over 400 calls over the last couple of months. What we kind of had is a, not even a soft launch. We just kind of got the line up and running towards late September and uh, put it out a bit on social media and whatever, uh, very, very, very minimally. Uh, so they've had about 400 calls. Uh, they're very satisfied that they've had no issue that they couldn't handle, that they have had no scenario that they hadn't foreseen. Um, what they are building is more expertise in the background and upskilling kind of um, a clinical hub is what they're talking about having in the background where if there is somebody in a real, real you know, distressed state and like you mentioned there at the outset, if somebody was suicidal in the here and now, you know, they have somebody on call 24 hours a day behind them in the background to actually handle a situation like that. Um, but the vast majority of the calls coming through this, 99% of the calls we would anticipate that would come through this yeah. would not be emergency calls. No, it'll be for, for referral. Uh, it's, 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 it's terrific. Do you, do you think when you retire from politics at the end of this government term, this will be a particular highlight for you to look back on? Yeah, I suppose it will because, uh, I, you know, I, I always was about how you do what you do as opposed to, you know, trying to, a lot of times ministers tend to just throw more money at a problem and think it will solve it. I'm more of a fixer myself, I think, and this is probably an example of that where I went in and looked and tried and diagnose what the issue is and rather than treating the symptom, which is very easy to do, which is waiting lists and putting additional monies towards waiting lists, I tried to look at the cause of what's causing that symptom and try and treat the cause and I think this is one of those examples where I've, I, I believe successfully identified the cause and treated it and I think it will have a significant impact. Uh, and I, th- I think it will it will save lives. So it's one eight hundred one 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 eight eight eight, and it's up and running now and it's, it is it uh, is 24-7. And I suppose just one thing that I might ask if I can, Patricia, on that is, you know, it is really important that people think to put it into their phone today. There's no point in trying to remember this call or this number or this That's conversation a good point. That's a good in a point. few times. So I think if people went to the trouble today of putting into their phone mental health 24-hour line one eight hundred triple one triple eight. you never know the day, the yeah. hour, the time when you or someone around you are using a conversation. You, please God, you'll never need to use it, but it's good to have it there. But it might be even just a casual conversation with somebody in the 
on the stores someday and saying, you know, my son is this or my daughter is, you know what, there's a number there and I have it on my phone. So I think if you put it into your phone, you'll never go wrong. You'll okay. have it someday. But All right, before I let you go, a question in from Conor and Glamour is, is saying, what does Minister Jim Daly make of Dara Murphy and him claiming expenses while working in Europe? Was he clocking in at the dawn on the Monday morning, flying to Brussels or wherever and then flying back and clocking out again and then back to Cork while we, the taxpayers, are paying for this? Does the clocking in system in Dull Air need to be looked at? That's some Connor in Glamire and I saw the Minister your Minister of Communications Richard Burton uh, saying that uh, Dara Murphy has serious questions to answer do you believe Dara Murphy has questions to answer? Uh, look I suppose I never like commenting or criticising any of my own colleagues um, or from any party either you know I don't believe I'm there as judge and jury however it's a very fair question to ask what's my opinion of it and I suppose I have a similar uh, interest in that I'm retiring at the next election as well and myself and Dara are both in the same vein that way uh, Honestly, it's not a good look. It doesn't appear. Maybe uh, I know he issued a statement on Saturday night, Dara, but anything I've seen from him still doesn't answer the question. Like, it isn't appropriate and it isn't right that somebody could be drawing a TD salary and their expenses were travelling to and from the doll and also carrying out full-time occupation in another uh, sphere and drawing a full-time salary on that and travelling to and from as well. That's not correct. That's not right. Um, I can only speak for myself. I'm almost nine years at TD. And during that time, I've never had any additional income whatsoever. And I think that's properly appropriate. I think uh, TD is a full-time job. And I think you should to give it your best and to do the best for the people who have put you there. I don't think you should be distracted with an alternative career or an alternative income source. I see some of my colleagues, in, even in our own constituency, have three or four other um, vocations or professions declared on their on their um, declaration at the end of the year. I find that strange. I think people, you know, if, if you're a TD, it's an enormous honour. It's a very demanding position. And to give it your all, I think you are well paid uh, to do it. I think you should do that. And I don't think you should be... Um, you know, paying insult to it by having an alternative career. That's my own belief on it. Okay, and I know the Oireachtas Committee on Members' Interests, they've been asked to investigate uh, Deputy Murphy's uh, attendance uh, record. I mean, he's saying himself that he hasn't done anything. He said he's been compliant with the rules of attendance. But if it's been proven that he hasn't, should he pay it back? Well, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, I, I think somebody spoke about it at the weekend and I thought they put it very well about this. It was Alan Jukes referred to it, I think, as the, you know, the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. You know, I mean, you can be within the letter of the law, but you cannot be within the spirit of the law. And I think, look, you know, honestly, if you're checking every, if it is a fact that you're fobbing into the doll every Monday and Friday for long periods of time when the doll isn't sitting, uh, I would say there is something at the very least immoral about that. Um, and I don't think it's right. Uh, what punishment or sanction or whatever is probably for another uh, forum to dictate. I'm never one really who has engaged much in that whole area of, of um, trying to, you know, punish or decide what people should or shouldn't or, or judging people. Uh, so I don't want to go down that road, but I can tell you, you can ask me honestly what's my view on it and I'm quite happy to say that. Oh, and but, but that listener who Connor who was uh, raises this issue, his point about the clocking in and out system at all air and does, does this prove that that needs to be looked at? It does, of course. Yeah. I mean, like, because look, it has been taken advantage of if you're clocking in every Monday and Friday when the doll isn't sitting there. It is there. It doesn't affect us as ministers or ministers of state because we don't have to clock in. There isn't a fobbing system for us. But for backbench TDs, there is. And uh, you have to require 120 days a year, which is kind of the, the sitting days really worked out over, you know, the doll's. That's what you get elected day. to do, isn't it? And that's what you're yeah. elected to do, to yeah. be there. And look, if you're not there, I look, you know, I, I genuinely would have an issue with drawing my full salary. Uh, even from the day I announced my retirement, 
it, I could have pulled back and thrown my feet up and said, you know what, I, I don't care, I might get elected. But I couldn't in all conscience do that. I would like to think I'm, in actual fact, working harder than I ever did because I want to make every day like it's my last and make sure I can, you know, I have no regrets after leaving. Okay. And I think every TD should probably give it all, their all. All right, and very finally, bad day at the office in the by-election. Are to be expected that governments find it hard to win by-elections? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I suppose look, that's the, the trotted out line. But you know, we came second in in three out of four. I think that wasn't bad going for government who were there for almost nine years. That wasn't bad going to have got come second place in three out of the four contests. Uh, all four would have been elected if it was a general election. So it wasn't the worst day out. Um, governments don't typically win by elections. Uh, I think yes, look, the Green Party certainly did very well and are showing that they are continuing. Uh, that was what I was watching with most interest to see whether the Green, whatever you call it, was going to be temporary just vis-a-vis the local and the Europeans whether it was going to translate into national elections I think it has shown that it has translated into national elections now to, to a certain degree maybe not the same degree as has been anticipated in some quarters but that was significant um, good day for Sinn Féin obviously good day for Fianna Fáil to win two, uh, two seats and again that's all very usual when you're in opposition okay. by election time Alright, got to leave it there we'll talk again Jim in the meantime thank you for that and thanks for joining us Thanks for uh, Good pleasure. morning to you that is uh, Minister with Responsibility for mentioning that Jim Daly that number again is one eight hundred triple one. Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, people who live or regularly shop in Mallow will often complain about the over-strict parking regime that is operated by a private company. A number of local councillors want the county council to take back control of parking. And one of those is Mallow-based councillor James Kennedy, who joins me in studio this morning. Good morning to James. Good morning, Tisha. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, you're very welcome. Would you often hear from people, James, who complain that some traffic wardens can be just a little bit overzealous when they're handing out the tickets. Is that what you're hearing? Absolutely, Tricia. You know, when we were in the, the local council, Mallatown Council, we were able to call the parking um, the managers, you know, of the organisation in maybe t- twice a year. And what we always said is that basically parking staff you know, that they should be welcoming people to town, just explaining the regime for them, that rather than actually that going in with with all guns, that blazing. So um, we were able to do that. But the reason I actually brought the motion to chief executive level in County Hall was that, you know, well said the people of Mallow actually wanted it brought to the top. Mm. Now, so it was packed. And there was a good motion in on Mallow District there a few weeks ago was passed. Now, there is a review, but basically there is, well, the review has been held by, you know, within house, you know. Yeah. But, but the staff of Cork County Council are outstanding, both in Annabella and there. But to the management corporate level, I wanted to bring it to you know, to fast track it up. And is it a contract, uh, James, that comes up for renewal or is that how it operates with it the does. private operator? 
Patricia, you know, uh, that it comes up every five years. Now, it is due up again in January. Great. So, so this is a good time for yeah. to start talking about it. Yeah, and is it yeah. true? I was I, I was I didn't realise this. It's the only town in Cork County where the parking is regulated by a private operator. Absolutely. I wasn't aware of that. And see that we are at a huge competitive disadvantage in our businesses, you know, and we have fantastic businesses in Mallow, you know. Um, you can get anything that you want to in Mallow. There's free parking now till the 2nd of January, which is great. And um, so Mallow has a lot to offer. You and know. you just you see that the fear is that if somebody comes to town to do some shopping and we would hear from listeners that this would have happened to and they felt they unfairly got a parking sure. ticket. And then you'd hear people say, I'll never go back to Mallow again. And I always think that, you know, and they say it about other towns as well. But uh, it's so unfair on the businesses because it wasn't anything to do with the business no. that somebody was treated uh, unfairly. And Mary says, Patricia, with regard to your segment on pay parking in Mallow, I have a query about the half an hour free parking. Yes. I've never availed of this free half hour as I often wonder how do you prove the time that you arrived as the warden may check your car and give you a ticket even though you were in the free half an hour slot. So I'm always nervous about using it as you don't have any proof and I'm wondering how other listeners get around with that. That's a great is, point. Is, yeah, is, 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 is that a bit of a problem? And um, I can understand for the life of me when say that you get the first half an hour free but you have to come back out again then to put in your tickets, um, say, for your normal hour. Mm. So I've been saying a long time that that should be, you know, that um, when you, that you pay first your 80 cent and you get a full hour and a half then paid for. So it can be tagged on to it, the end of it, your it hour. Can. Yeah. And that's reasonably generous. Mm. Reasonably. Now, so, and... Um, so b- b- basically that's it Trisha what else actually your listener yeah no it was just on there. that free half an hour she's just wondering how do others because she's, she's never actually yes. um, availed of it is there a lot of money to be made out of pay parking yeah actually on Sherlock that he put in a freedom of information request there just um, it was only um, a few months ago and what he got was over the last four years Patricia that um the private parking company um, earned 1.4 million. You know that's a lot of money. Apcoa, yeah, which it's can go back. It's colossal. Which can go back to, to Mallow um, people in the form of that sports clubs, community organisation, you the streetscapes, and that um, tidy towns that would go back to them, and so that is money that the town actually is losing which is a lot of money Okay and the idea the, it, it's now you're, you're not letting this one go it's going to be referred back oh, to the yeah. next meeting of the Mallow Cantor Municipal District on the 16th of December so we'll be interested to see yeah. see where, where, where it goes from there yeah. uh, Lights went on in Mallow at the weekend there was a good buzz around Fantastic. the town Fantastic Shop local It was great to see the kids Yeah Actually they're really you know well they, they are really Christmas and they were getting the photographs actually taken with Santa. The lights are top class. And as I say, Mallow is a wonderful, wonderful town. We're at the crossroads of Munster. You can buy anything in Mallow. And what we're, what I'm starting to do now as well is talk about 
t -t tourism because when we had a booming town in Mallow back in the 80s, 90s and the early 90s, you know, we, we had a ready-made clientele in the sense that good union jobs. And when they went, it's very hard actually to replace. Or you, but we're coming back as a town again. And so what I'm concentrating is I'm on the Strategic Policy Committee in Cork County Council on tourism. So that is an area now that we were always a Cinderella. So actually what I'm trying to do now is to push tourism more. And with the investment in the castle, and there will, be, fantastic. there will be more investment yeah. in Tipanoil Park. Mallow is really starting to come now. Okay. So we need to be positive about our That's town. That's it. That's it. Listen, thanks for that. Keep us informed about the pay parking because I can see people saying, good on uh, James Kennedy for this. Uh, bring it in. We need it brought back under the control of the council. Got to leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, James. Patricia. And we'll talk, we'll talk again. Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Thank you for that. Me. Councillor James Kennedy. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just quickly, some of your, your calls into the programme. Katrina in Mallow, this is picking up on what we discussed in the last hour with Councillor um, James Kennedy wanting the council to take back control of pay parking, take it away from the private operator who, operators who the criticism has been that some of the private traffic wardens can be overzealous when they're handing out the tickets. Uh, Katrina says, hopefully what... Councillor James Kennedy is proposing will happen because if you're even just a tiny bit over on your parking ticket you cannot talk to the existing pay parking wardens they simply won't listen to you whereas before when the council were doing the job they would listen to you you could put forward your case and they did they still did a very effective job but they did it in such a nice way so hopefully the council will gain control of this uh, again and when it got mentioned at the council meeting last week I saw other councillors because I didn't realise that Mallowtown is the only town that has private operators in the county all the rest either don't have pay parking or if they do it's operated by the council I saw for example example, uh, Cove-based Cahal Rasmussen, he was saying that the pay parking in his hometown of Cove is run very efficiently and that's done by County Council traffic wardens. And then Paul Hayes, speaking on behalf of the good people of West Cork, he said he pointed out that some years ago council officials tried to introduce pay parking into West Cork uh, areas and he said councillors fiercely fiercely resisted it in good fighting talk coming from the West Cork uh, councillors. Someone else just on pay parking says Hi Patricia, listening to your programme and I have to contact you on pay parking. I'm doing a course in Mallow College of Dressmaking and Design. I travel from Killarney on a Monday morning and I park for the full day for three euro. euro. We were advised by Mary Cashman who obviously works in the College of Dressmaking and Design as to where to park so I'm surprised to hear this conversation. You're obviously one of the lucky ones who hasn't been caught on the main street parking and went over on your ticket and ended up having to pay a uh, fine. And just briefly on the Late Late Show, Michelle, this is reacting to the criticism from one of our listeners that the audience got too much. There's too much giving given out and Bernie says every year it's actually one of the parts of the Late Late Toy Show that she doesn't like. She thinks it's really greedy the amount of stuff the audience gets and why don't they pass it out and give it to charities instead. Michelle wants to point out all of the to toys that were featured on the show and that you see on the set 
all of that goes to uh, charity. So even though she says, yeah, it might be nice that charities would get more, she thinks the audience does really well out of the show and it's actually part of it. It actually what makes the Late Late Toy Show and there's one for everybody in the audience. So it's the reason that there's so much hype attached to it. John and Mallow very much enjoys the Late Late Show far better than the last few years. They made it more about an entertaining show, he felt. He also felt the set and the show itself was more like it was in Gay Burns' time and for that reason he really enjoyed it. Actually, interesting. Thank you for that, John, that you mentioned Gay Byrne. Uh, were, were, I thought it was only me. There was a big hype coming up to the Late Late Toy Show that they were going to do tribute to, to Gay Byrne. I'm sure I heard Ryan Tuberty himself say that they were going to remember him because, of course, Gay Byrne, it all started because of Gay Byrne and it was because of him that we that they ever had uh, a Late Late Show from the very beginning. And Ryan Tuberty had said that Gay Byrne, you know, was going to play a special part in the toy show this year. So I actually was looking out for it and I couldn't see anything until at the very end they panned to a photograph of him from the days in the Late Late Show and that was that was as much a mention that he got. So I was really a bit disappointed because they seemed to have hyped up that there was going to be some kind of a tribute to Gay Byrne but for whatever reason it didn't happen. It was just that photograph. I wonder did others uh, notice that as well. Now Gardaí in Bandham have appealed for the public's assistance after a teenager was subjected to what's been described as a terrifying ordeal at the weekend. Our senior news reporter Fiona Fiona Corcoran joins me with more on this. Good morning to Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Fiona, what is believed? Now, we were initially saying that there was an attempted abduction, but I believe that's been changed. That's right. Uh, Gardaí, in the last few minutes, have issued a press statement and they said that they're treating this as an assault and a robbery rather than an attempted abduction. Okay. And um, what happened was on Sunday morning, in the early hours of 3am on Sunday morning, this 19-year-old girl was walking home alone from a party on uh, Castle Road. And she uh, she was approached by a man um, who started talking to her and walking alongside her and he asked her if she wanted... Uh, him to walk her home and when she refused he grabbed her around the neck and tried to drag her into a car park. Now she screamed and thankfully in this case her screams were heard by three young men who were also in the area at the time and they came over and tried to rescue her and the man uh, ran off. Now before he ran off he actually kicked her into the face and and, and left her injured. Now, she was brought to hospital, but those injuries were not serious. But obviously, Patricia, she's very shaken by what happened and very frightened. And um, this could have been an awful lot worse had it not been for those three men who came to her assistance. Now, Gardaí are trying to, they have spoken to her, and they're trying to find the person um, who was resp- responsible for this attack. And she's been able to give him, them a description of what the man looked like. And she said that he is very tall, about six foot tall, of athletic athletic build, and um, that he was wearing dark clothing at the time. And she believed that it had Puma written across the jumper. And so Gardaí are now looking to see if anybody knows of this individual. They're also um, looking for at CCTV footage to see if they can see him in around that area uh, it, around that time on Sunday morning. And they're asking for witnesses or anybody who has any information or who may have seen anything suspicious in the area at that time to contact Bands and Garda Station. So it um, was Saturday into Sunday morning. So it was people who would have been right. out on Saturday night and it was at the going home time into Sunday morning. That's right, yeah. And the incident happened at around 3 a.m. 
So I suppose if anybody saw a person matching that description or if they saw anything suspicious at all uh, in the hour beforehand or the hour afterwards, contact Gardaí immediately. Okay, and the young woman, I mean, just 19, is she okay? Yeah, she was brought to hospital and her injuries were not serious and uh, she was she was able to speak to Gardaí afterwards and she was released from hospital. But obviously, Patricia, it's a terrifying ordeal for somebody, especially when it's a young woman and she's very, very shaken by what happened. Um, now, phys- her physical injuries are not serious, but obviously um, left with severe um you know, trauma after mm. what happened. Mm. Um, it's, it's a frightening experience for anybody, but especially a 19-year-old girl um, who had been out enjoying herself on Saturday night, was at a party coming up to the Christmas season. And I suppose it sends out a clear message to people. I mean, we often hear, especially at these t- this time of the year, from Gardaí asking people if they are out to, you know, stay with their friends or to make sure that they have a way home, so that, uh, you know, that they're not left on their own. And I suppose that this situation just highlights you know, that these things can happen. And uh, it can happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, for everyone to be very careful over the next coming weeks. Yeah, look, at, look, look after yourselves and each mm. other. OK, and well done to those three men who uh, rallied around uh, straight away yeah, and helped her out. from Town area. Were they? OK. All yeah. right, well done, the heroes of the moment. OK, Fiona, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us. 1850 That's our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. And as Fiona said, if anybody has saw or witnessed it or heard anything on that Saturday into Sunday morning, or if anybody can thinks they know who that person was described as bald, tall, and of strong athletic build. Let's hope that guy is caught ASAP. And we wish the best of luck to that young girl, that young 19-year-old, and hope that she is uh, okay and makes a full recovery. Now, we are in a couple of minutes going to be talking about the cost of cancer, the financial cost of uh, cancer. And uh, a listener says, Hi, Patricia. At the, I heard you say on your programme that you're going to be speaking about the financial bur- burden on those of us undergoing a cancer diagnosis and treatment. Well, I've just in the past year had six rounds, six months of chemotherapy, had a mastectomy, and then I had six weeks of radium treatment and yes I have to agree it was tough financially but I got great support from Cancer Connect I actually cannot thank them enough whilst I found the financial aspect very hard what I found so much harder is all but one of my siblings have not once picked up the phone to ask how I am I do focus on the positives and I'm so, so lucky to have good friends and neighbours. But it really hurts, though, to think that friends and neighbours care more when my own family seem not to. So whilst, yes, it's tough on the pocket, for me, much tougher emotionally. But um, my, my, thank, my thanks and my love and appreciation must go to Cancer Connect and also to Ark House for all that they do and continue to do for me. Ah. God, that's an that's an upsetting text to see, and it's isn't it's just the dynamics in families. How often will you hear that saying? You can choose your friends, but you can't cho- choose your family, and you wonder what's going on. And you get other families who are just so united and always there for each other, and would certainly rally round when one of the family members would have got a cancer diagnosis like that, and. I don't know. I mean, for whatever reason in, in this family, there's the other siblings just don't seem to care. 
it seems quite the world can be quite cruel, can't it, at times? But it's terrific to uh, terrific to read that you do have good friends and good neighbours. You just can't beat good neighbours. And well done to the Cancer Connect, who fantastic service ferrying. People all run by volunteers. They're a wonderful organisation and we know the great work of Ark House uh, as well. So thank you for that text to 0862 103 103. And can we wish you continued good health and we hope that you'll be able to put this year completely behind you onwards and upwards and that, you know, life will get back to normal for you and you'll you'll get over it all. You'll get over it all and hopefully one day you'll be able to, your other siblings will be able to see the light of, of day and, and come to you and, and say that they're sorry, sorry that they didn't and that they weren't more supportive when you were going through what you were going uh, through. But thank you uh, for your text. John Paul taking your calls at 1850 103. C103 Jobs. With at College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie. As steel, erector, welder and concrete workers are all wanted for positions in Cork City, while experienced bar person is wanted for Springford Hall in Mallow. Caregivers are wanted for Ovens, Ballancolleg, Douglas and Cork City. And a cashier is wanted for a betting shop in Mallow. Good customer service and communication skills essential. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. Christmas. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park magically lit by Doucher puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the beautiful Beautiful city views from the Ferris wheel. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Echo, and C103. Huge financial toll of cancer has been captured in a new report by the Irish Cancer Society, which shows patients can be out of pocket by up to €2,000 a month. The report found that patients are impacted by both loss of earnings and the additional expenses associated with treatment. One of the stories captured in the report is that of Mairead O'Sullivan from Adrigal near Castletown Bear. And uh, Mairead joins me. Good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, you're on your second cancer journey. I believe you first had a cancer diagnosis back in 2007, was it? Yes, that's right. Um, In October of 2007, I was diagnosed and I would have had surgery. I had two surgeries in November and December of 2007. Um, And that followed then by um, a year and a half of treatment, which was a combination of chemotherapy, radiotherapy. And I was fortunate enough to be on a Herceptin drug as well. And as I said, treatment finished then in April of 2009. So um, would you have been out of work for all that period? I was out of work, yes. I was out of work. I went back to work. 
in the summer of 2009 and I went out again two months after going back because I had reconstructive surgery after my surgeries in 2007 and unfortunately there was a few complications of that so I was out for about another six months um, at that and then in 2010 I returned to work and thank God for the next seven years I I continued working I was I had reduced down my hours to a three day week with the HSE um, I worked as a home health coordinator in the West Cork area so um and then, unfortunately, in the summer of 2017, I started having problems. But at the time, I thought it was just um, muscle problems. But anyway, by December of 2017, it was confirmed that my cancer had returned in a muscle just in my shoulder. And where, um, where are you at now, treatment-wise? Treatment-wise, I stay on treatment. Uh, I had six months of very aggressive chemo in uh, 2018. And I stay on two chemotherapy drugs, immunotherapy drugs, and I get those every three weeks. I refer to it as my maintenance chemo. <laughs> okay. um, so every three weeks I attend the UH, uh, the Dunmanway Suite, the, the angels that look after us up there. Uh, thank you. Yeah, um, I hear such great reports from the, from the yes, Dunmanway Suite. You know, for all the grief that the HSE gets, and I say this to everybody, once you're in the system, I yeah. think for everybody, it is accessing, it is getting into A&E and getting in to see... Um, to get on a team but once you do get into the HSE the, the staff there are just and all over we've you know everybody would say that it's the accessing services is the problem but as I said we they're just angels above in the Dunmanway suite um, and not to mention the the oncology uh, the oncologist that I'm under Seamus O'Reilly they're just all great and they're you know even with the amount of people that they see you feel when you're there that they're you know you're known to them and that they're looking after you so well and are there side effects to this maintenance chemo? There are. Um, I I experience a lot of joint um, pain, yeah, um, which is just one of the side effects of the hormone treatment that I'm on, as well as the as chemo and um, ongoing pain then and things as well. But as I said, it, they're all managed. Yeah, but it's just they do take its toll, and unfortunately, I'm not in a position to go back to work as get. Um, I'm still out on sick leave. Um, and living so far time. from the city, uh, Mairead, in, in beautiful West Cork, uh, yes. there's obviously travel costs. There's huge travel costs. I mean, so you, you're getting yourself to the hospital. Now, again, I was very fortunate. Uh, I have had great friends who have helped with it. But, you know, you're like, I, even now at this stage, I still like to do 17 days in CUH um, this year for treatment alone. Uh, there's all the other appointments then that you go to. Some of them, uh, and in fairness, the team are very good. They try and get a couple of appointments if they can into the one day when you're above. But you're going up for clinics, you're going up to see other specialists and things that you need to be under the care of. So, on any like this past year, I would certainly have done in excess of thirty to forty trips to Cork um, for hospital appointments wow. between treatment and others. Uh, and that's as I said, it's over. We're over 75 miles from the hospital, yeah. so it's 150 miles. In Round front, trip, front yeah. Front. And then there's, yeah. pa- there's parking. There's parking. Now, again, um, as a regular patient in the chemo ward, you do get a, a reduced, you get a concession for parking. Great. But on all the other days, you're paying the same as everybody else at the machines. And, um, the, and then the fact that it's, you know, the 150-mile um, round trip... Obviously, you've got to try and get something to eat, you know, break up the yeah. day in somehow. So there's, you know, there's the costs, yeah. you know, you're not... And again, you know, the, the, again, as, 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 as the difference between the two days, you can go up and give a day at an outpatient's clinic and nothing is provided to you. The day you're above having your treatment, you know, there's a fabulous staff there around in the morning with 
teas and coffees and scones too. You get your uh, you get soup and a sandwich at lunchtime, and if you're there in the afternoon, there's another cup of tea. So like Great. on those days, it is looked after. But yes, on all the other days, there's you're you're sorting yourself out for food and things as well. Um, and you know, I suppose at this remove, I'm physically better than I was this time last year. When you are in the height of treatment, as I said, I deal a lot with fatigue and I say that to friends. If you see my car pulled in on the road, I I may have to stop, you know, once or twice coming home because I'm tired and I just pull in. Thank God, in the last six months, I've driven myself most days to the hospital. But, you know, the day the day takes its toll and you're getting tired as the evening goes on. Um, and would but, you, you know, pull in and have a little bit of a nap? I'd pull in and just rest. Because, you know, as I said, when you, when you do get hit with the fatigue, you yeah. you know it's it's not safe to be driving. Yeah, You're always yeah. that. Uh, so it is. It's to pull in, take a rest for a while, get out of the car, and just freshen up and have the coffee breaks when we need to. Um, but ha- that's, it, that's all part of, and that would be the same for any of the patients. It's not as simple as sitting in in an hour and a half or at home. I would always say that I check in with the gang at home. Yes, that I'm on the road and I'll see you whatever. But I'm always factoring in that I'll stop at least once or twice on the road from Corkdown. I'd stop and copy in and get a cup of tea or coffee and I might stop again in Belly Licky on the way down, well you know. Have you ever used Cancer Connect? I haven't, I suppose, and, but I'm, I'm very involved. I, I've done some fundraising and attend, um, functions and things for them because it is an invaluable service and I meet a lot of people. As I said, thank God, I'm well enough now that I'm doing a lot of the driving myself. But, and as I said, my husband and friends were great on the times and I couldn't. But it was a service and is a service that a lot of people are availing of and is a fantastic service. And, you know, again, would appeal to anyone that can't support any fundraising that's out for the charity like that. Do, fantastic. they're great. They're great. Yeah. And then the financial side of it, Marage, you know, looking at the two, the 2007 diagnosis and now this, the, the 2017, yeah. are you, is, is it the same financially? Are you down both sides? It is, and I suppose I did highlight that when I when I gave my interview to the Irish Cancer Society. I'm more fortunate than a lot of others that I meet on the journey, and that, I suppose, is why I have opted to get involved in the campaign, in that I worked with the HSC, and the HSC have looked after, you know, I suppose, in the public service, there's a better sick leave policy than there would be for some people that are in private employment. Mm. And I also had a private income protection policy that I had taken out myself outside of work and that income protection policy guarantees me 75% of my income so I'm very fortunate to be in that position but it is only because of a set of personal circumstances that I'm there you know I meet other people above they are out of work themselves and there's a partner out of work as well taking time off to get them to hospital appointments and to help out with other so you're not only down your own income but your partner may also yeah. be on a reduced income because they're supporting you through your service and that is why as I said I've highlighted because it's easier for me and it's very hard for any cancer patient whatever it's difficult to be dealing with cancer diagnosis and there's no question about that but to have financial concerns on top of it um, it's cruel know, it's, it's just absolutely cruel you, I mean your whole focus should be on getting better of course it should and it's the simple thing you know of making ends meet at the end of the week Yes, you're at home more, the heating is on more, you're cold, you're colder on treatment, you know, the treatment really affects your immune system, so you're trying to keep warm. And like for some people that are wondering, like, can I afford to turn on the heating? Oh. As I said, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm not in that position, yeah. but I'm very conscious that there are others that are on the journeys with me um, that, you know, 
finance does come into it and that's why it was so important to highlight that. Yeah, Uh, and then, but you did have a bit of a a battle with getting a medical card. Oh, I don't know if I even want to go into that, on air. Yes, and I suppose, and I would have said, you know, in 2007, I applied for a medical card and I got a discretionary medical card at the time. Um, Had it for a couple of years and when it came up for renewal, I didn't, I was back to work I didn't reapply for my card because purely I said I didn't need a medical card at that stage. Yeah. So that was fine. In 2017, then, as I said, we found out the Friday before Christmas, which was one of the nicest Christmas presents we could have got, as you can imagine. Yeah. So in January of 2018, and at this stage, we are still reeling from the news and not knowing. I would not have thought in January 2018 that I'd be here on air talking to you. I don't know what the future holds, but as I said, to have then have had to fight the system. Like, explain to them, I know I'm not going to qualify on financial grounds, but I want to have a medical card because when you're on treatment, the steroids, and it's, yes, I had a drug payment card, but that's €140 Euro a month that yeah. you're paying yeah. for your meds. Um, yeah. And again, it, it goes back to the point that not everybody would have been in the situation that I was in, that I was on sick, you know, I was on sick leave at that stage from from my job and I did have a payment at that stage but like down the line that's that been reduced as yeah. it was rightly so and like it, it takes 12 months before your income protection pull uh, comes through because of the, the stipulations and that and that's quite alright but as I said in after four months and like the phone calls that I had to make to get that you know to get information of where was my claim at and your store you can track your thing and like every time they they looked for more information. They looked for more letters from my doctor. I don't know what changed between the January letter and the April letter that went in from my doctor. I still had a reoccurrence of my cancer and I had a terminal diagnosis. Um, it's just, it's just you know, cruel. It's just but to cruel. Turn around and to get a letter in the beginning of May that I was turned down on financial, social and medical grounds that I wasn't deemed eligible for a medical card. It was just, it was soul destroying you know, you're in the, and like at that stage, I would have been very physically unwell um, mm. going through my treatment at that stage. So the first six months was very difficult. Um, and to somebody tell me that on medical grounds, I didn't, weren't getting a card. And the one thing anyone that will know me would know that political intervention, I do not like in any field. It shouldn't be what our politicians are there for. Yeah. Uh, but, but you had said, to go down that route. I had to go down that route and start purely by coincidence, two and a half weeks later I get a, I get the medical card approved. Yeah. You know? And again, people don't need that grief when no. they're going through. There's no. enough going on. You, you have the di- you have the diagnosis, it should be black yeah. and white. Give me the medical and card and then when you no longer need the medical card, it gets taken yeah. off you or you give it back. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's not rocket science here. It's either somebody no. has a diagnosis of cancer or somebody doesn't. It's as plain yeah. as that. You know, like when, when you're oncologist and your GP, you're giving the, giving the details. And like even my GP would have rang, I'm putting this on, like my GP would, yes, he, you know, he knows that I know about my diagnosis, but like, my GP would have rang and said, I'm just filling out this letter and I'm putting this on the letter. I don't want you to be upset when you see the letter. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, as I said, it is very black and white. There shouldn't be any question about it. But as I said, that was that was my journey on it. And they're the, they're the discussions we need to be having and just make it a bit easier for people. It is a, it's a really difficult time. Anyone with a cancer diagnosis, um, you know, it does rock your world and it rocks the world of your family and friends people shouldn't be worrying about financial yeah. concerns. 
Absolutely, you know, absolutely. And as you say, you're you're lucky if you can use the word lucky. Yes. If you when you look at people who are solely relying on social welfare, it's yes. just beyond a nightmare for them. They're 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 going through enough. So, uh, Mairead, what's what's Christmas going to be like in the O'Sullivan household this year? Christmas will be a nice, quite affair. The boys will be home. We'll uh, be having Christmas and spend it with family and friends. It's, um, and you know we're just so grateful that there's another Christmas that we're going to see well done and thank God for that and any of us we only all know what we can do today none of us know what the future holds and we just as I said it's important for everyone that we all live in the moment and not to get caught up in too much of the commercialism um, and just celebrate what we have and who we have around us well said well said listen enjoy every moment of it and thanks thank a million for, for joining us on the programme Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. What a lovely lady that is. Uh, we wish her uh, good luck and uh, good health. That's Mairead O'Sullivan from Adrigal near uh, Castletown there. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. I got songs from Simply Red, Madonna, and Bob Marley. Santa, I got a new puppy. Have you? And this week, Santa's here chatting to Cork kids. I can help you win a 500 euro shopping voucher. And I've got your tickets to see Jack and the Beanstalk. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards, weekdays from 1. C103. The most wonderfully animated book arrived on our desk last week entitled How Will Santa Find Us? It's a new children's book featuring some of Ireland's best loved illustrators with all proceeds going to Focus Ireland. The book was written by Shane O'Brien who uh, joins me. Good morning to you Shane. Morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm I'm doing well. The book is simply beautiful. You, as as an, the you. author of the book, you must have been thrilled with the way it turned out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's one of those things. It was kind of an unusual project in that. Um, so I co-wrote the book with uh, Stephen Rogers, and the two of us had the story, and we wrote all the words and everything like that. But after that, we were kind of looking for one illustrator. And then um, our, our kind of our publisher and kind of partner, Bren Byrne, had suggested, what if we spoke to a bunch of different illustrators? Because the story kind of follows the journey of the kid's imagination. So every imagination kind of, uh, I suppose, scene is, is represented by a different illustrator. And so we had no idea how that was going to turn out. Like it was kind of a, a bit of a roll of the dice. But we're, like, like it shouldn't, so it, sh- in, 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 it shouldn't work. It, like an, a, a book should be illustrated by the same person. And so, it's a, you know, when you think this, this shouldn't work and by God it works. Yeah, I mean, it, the illustrators are just, they're, they're fantastically talented people. Like, and they, and they really are like the, the best of the best and they did a beautiful job. And so we, we had kind of a, the first illustrator, Lauren O'Neill, she sort of designed the characters and set up the colour palette. And then they each just took that over. So they were kind of basically passing it on to each other as they went. But it really, it really did turn out. Uh, so did each illustrator see what the other illustrator had done? In some cases, yes. They'd certainly all seen Lauren's character design. But actually, in other cases, just because of the way things timed out, some pages had to be drawn ahead of others. So it was kind of, uh, um, they were drawing without having seen the previous page. So... Yes and no, I guess, is, is the answer there. Fantastic. And no problem getting the illustrators to get on board? 
Oh, no, not at all. They were um, all straight away uh, happy to do it. You know, uh, it's for an excellent cause. So they were they were delighted to be involved. And where did the idea for, for the book, how did it all come about? Um, well, Steve and I um, uh, work in advertising. Uh, okay. And um, we generally try and do these sort of projects for causes that we believe in. Kind of, I suppose, for the sake of our soul, because we work in advertising. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this was one of those projects that started uh, with that. So... It was around the time um, that, uh, that there was a new story about a family who slept in a Garda station. And it was just this, this image that became very representative of just how bad the problem was with homelessness. So we started kind of to throw around ideas about how we could do something that might help in some small way, whether it's to raise money or raise awareness. And as we kind of discussed the idea, we realized very quickly that it's not really an awareness problem, because if you step outside, certainly uh, in, in the cities around the country, you see the problem straight in front of you. Um, and so we kind of realized that it's ultimately what, what this really is about kind of trying to inspire a little bit of empathy for people who find themselves in the awful position of being homeless. So that was kind of how the idea of a storybook came about. And then um, as we wrote the story um, and we kind of shared it with people, everyone was really, really kind of happy to get involved and to help out. And sort of a year later, uh, here we are. With this fabulous book, and it's, and I mean, I just thought, and the name of it, like, um, How Will Santa Find Us? And that's the reality for so many children living in homeless, you know, emergency accommodation. You know, that that question has been asked, which must be just heartbreaking for parents to hear a child say that. Yes, absolutely. And it's something, look, we've been, we worked closely with Focus Ireland on the project just to make sure that we weren't going to present some fancy image of, of, of what being homeless or the realities of how people end up homeless and what they are. So we wanted the book to reflect the reality of families as, as much as possible. Um, and this is, this is going to be a reality. There are close to 4,000 children in Ireland this year uh, who will be uh, in either temporary accommodation or homeless. Um, and, and it's just that's not acceptable. Uh, and it's something that they will worry about, um, the same as any other child who is on holiday over Christmas or something like that. You know, it's, their concern is still how Santa are going to find them and... and and so this is that's kind of what inspired it, really. And you got a nod on the Late Late Choice show? We did, yeah. <laughs> Brian uh, very kindly um, uh, kind of spoke about the book, um, which was brilliant. I mean, and it's, it's, it makes such a huge difference as yeah. well. So we're really kind of grateful that, that they did call it out. But, um, and it was also it was a, it was a fantastic show to be a part of as well. Particularly uh, this, this one was just really kind of heartwarming all the way through. OK, well done. And the book now is on, as they say, on sale in all good bookshops? It is, yeah. Um, I think we had a very busy weekend, so um, if it's not in your shop today, uh, it will be in a couple of days. They're kind of restocking at the moment. And I I loved when I was reading through the credits at the end of the book on the team, um, Stephen, as you say, who co-wrote the book with you. His mother doesn't understand what he does for a living and that's not going to change with his first book. (laughs) Absolutely not, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to explain advertising to mammies. Yeah, all right, listen, much. it's it's fantastic. It's for well so done, much. well done to you and and to Stephen and to all of the uh, illustrators. Good luck with it, and uh, we 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 will um, look forward to what you're going to do next because I have a feeling this is going to be the first of many campaigns that you're going to get involved with. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Shane O'Brien along with Stephen Rogers who wrote the story and they were kind of the brainchild behind this. How will Santa find us? And as I say, it's a great big, you may 
may have seen it. Hopefully you did on the Late Late Toy Show. It was one of the books that was featured, but it's a big, colourful, wonderful, wonderful book. And I hope a lot of people go out and buy it this Christmas. Uh, it is retailing. Somebody says, what's the price? I was going to get to the price. It is uh, sixteen ninety nine, with proceeds going to Focus uh, Ireland who help the homeless in this country. OK, and a lot of people wanting to wish good luck with that book for Focus Ireland. Uh, what's it called? How will Santa find us? As soon as you see it, it's a big, you know, it's a big colourful book. As soon as you see it in the bookshop, it'll jump out at you. It's, it's terrific. I'm just hoping people will buy it for other smallies for Christmas this year. And I think it's got a lovely message and it isn't sad. It isn't, it isn't one of those ones that you're going to go, oh my God, bereft at the end of it. It's not. Uh, but I think it will also get the message across to our own boys and little boys and girls who are lucky enough to have a home that not everybody is in the same position as that. And Joan, uh, sorry Joan, your text came in and Mairead, who we spoke with in the last hour, Mairead O'Sullivan, earlier on this hour, should I say, Mairead talking to us about cancer diagnosis and the financial and the emotional side of having a cancer diagnosis. Joan says, hi Patricia, what a wonderful lady Mairead O'Sullivan is. She is so positive and she's always smiling. Joan says, I actually spoke with her just last Saturday. She was in Super Value in Bantry. Would you wish her all the best of luck for 2020 from Joan? Thanking you, Patricia. And as I say, unfortunately, it wasn't in time for me to give it uh, to Mairead. Hopefully she's still listening, though, and uh, we can pass on our best uh, wishes. She's terrific, very, very uh, positive woman. So she does strike me as somebody, whenever you would meet her, she would be smiling, which is uh, terrific. Thank you for that, Joan, to 0862 103 103. We have the 12 o'clock news coming up with a reminder in the next hour. We'll catch up with your calls and comments that have come into the programme today. And it is Monday, so Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, joins us. If you've got a question for Annalise, you can get it into us, please, now and we'll put it to Annalise when she joins us after half past 12. You can call John Paul with a question 1850 333 103. You can text her WhatsApp 086 103. But we will take a break and we have news coming up from the newsroom at 12 midday. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration, festive food and fun, the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Keep your questions coming for Annalise, please. Our nutritional therapist, if you've got a question, she'll join us after half past 12 today. 1850-333-103. And I can see some coming through by text as well. Keep this coming to 0862-103-103. Some of your calls and comments to the programme today. Dan in Mallow says, Hi Patricia. It's not often I give one of our precious TDs any credits as, credit as I firmly believe that 90% of them are greedy and self-serving individuals. And that's not a cliche. Just look at the carry on with expenses, double jobbing and wheeling dealing of the few that has been exposed in just in the past uh, month. On this occasion, though, I would like to give the minister who you spoke with this morning, Jim Daly, credit where credit is due. Credit for this initiative on youth mental health. Finally, somebody is making a sensible and practical attempt at tackling a serious problem in Ireland. The proof of the pudding will be in the eating and let's see if it makes any difference. But at least it's a good start. I've had experience of trying to access services for a family member and it was frightening how difficult it was to get help in a timely manner, says Dan Amala. Thank you for that, Dan. And by the way, that free phone number, the one eight hundred triple one triple eight that we spoke with that got launched by 
uh, Minister Jim Daly, while a lot of the focus today in our interview was certainly talking about helping out young people who are battling with mental health uh, issues. That helpline is for everybody. It's not it's not just for for young people. It's for anyone who is having difficulties with their own mental health or with their family members mental health. And the idea is it's kind of it's a one stop shop. You'll go there and they'll point you in the direction or they will tell you the service that you need to be in contact with because I think that's what happens. People don't know where to go. I mean, to hear him talk about when he took over the portfolio, to hear him talk about nearly 1,100 different services that are available for mental health that's funded by the government, funded through the the HSE and this will sort of link them all up together. I mean, obviously a service that's operating in Donegal is of no use to somebody in West Cork, no use to somebody in Limerick, but a service that is in their area, that's what they need to hear about. And and often when something like this happens, like you discover somebody in your family is battling with mental health or somebody themselves decides to pick up the phone and ring, they're not aware of what services are out there or what service will be particular for, say, a young person, as opposed to maybe somebody in their 50s that's having a difficult time. That you know, the service for one will be different to the service for the other. So, yeah, I do. I, I know at the launch they were saying it will save lives. I, I do think it will. I do think it will. And it certainly will make life a, a hell of a lot easier for family members who are trying to help out a loved one. So thank you, Dan, for giving, giving as you say, credit where it is uh, due. Sean in Mallow, on the other hand, is not giving credit where credit is due. He is, he's contacted us about, there was a very bad accident yesterday just outside of Mallow, about half past three, because I know my husband was coming back from Cork City and he saw, you know, you can see it in the difference, in the distance, he could see there was something going on with flashing lights, etc. So he was able to take a back road and, and avoid it. But he came in and said, it's been a bad accident on the road. And then, of course, when I looked into it, I discovered the road had been closed and and we wish the, the it's, a, it's a woman was airlifted to hospital. We hope she's doing OK. But uh, Sean is critical of the response time to that accident yesterday. You know, the, the air ambulance, the... Thankfully, we have an air ambulance based in Rathcool that was very close. That arrived very quickly, which I suppose is what's most needed is get the woman who needed the help, get her on the back of that ambulance and get her up to CUH ASAP. So Sean said that happened and that happened very quickly. But he's critical of the Garda response time. He says it took over 25 minutes for members from Garda Corner to arrive at the scene. And then he said it took a further two hours for diversions to be put in place. He said the last couple of accidents on the roads... Uh, the last couple of accidents on the road, the road was left open until the Garda arrived and it's not very impressive. It's not very impressive to see P cars smashed. Impressive is the wrong word not to use there. It's not, it's not good basically to see when you're driving past to see gar- cars smashed on the side of the road waiting for the Garda to arrive. But I suppose the road can't be closed until the Garda arrive. Why did it take 25 minutes? Because it wasn't, it was only... But a mile outside of Mallow, there is a Garda station, a large Garda station in Mallow. Could it just be no car available? I mean, is that just back to what we constantly hear from members of Angarda Shiacon and certainly we hear from their unions that there's not there's not enough Garda on the beat and you know we're hearing all the time that there, there's more, they're training more Gardaí and the embargo got lifted a number of years ago. But it's almost like we're doing catch up with it because we've got Gardaí who are leaving the force, you know, naturally through to retirement. And there's just not enough filling in the, you know, coming in to fill in the gaps. And could it have been on a Sunday? I don't know how many Gardaí are on on a Sunday because normally, you know, they get they hear about an accident like that. They're there 
ASAP. I mean, if it took 25 minutes, I'm assuming they were frantically trying to get Gardaí and a car and get it out there as quickly as they as they could. But uh, as I say, great that we had the community air ambulance that was there very quickly that woman was taken to a hospital 1850 on before I get to this just let me check uh, they're coming in for Annalise keep those coming please okay just want to give a mention to this because Frank Abandon actually was on earlier about this and is wondering and I'm wondering how other listeners feel about the return of what some people call the ISIL bride I've seen in the paper uh, her being described as an ISIL sympathiser at Lisa Smith. Frank Bandon's a bit worried about it and is wondering, you know, what sort of can of worms have we opened by bringing Lisa Smith back to Ireland? Frank says, bear in mind that she left this country of her own accord. Nobody forced her to go and join ISIS. Now she's come home. Our Irish government may be seen or perceived as supporters of ISIS. Her child was born abroad, does have an Irish mother, but doesn't have an Irish father. Uh, so, but but is an Irish citizen, Frank. Anyway, Frank says also, could this put our neutrality, Ireland's neutrality in jeopardy? I saw certainly on social media yesterday, people in the United Kingdom didn't seem to be that impressed with what the Irish government had done, bearing in mind that they had three, do you remember those young girls, young teenage girls, much younger now than Lisa Smith would have been, not anything as mature as Lisa Smith, when they went and two of them have been killed, there's one still alive and she wanted to come back and they've taken her citizenship away away from her. They are very clear in England how they react to ISIL sympathisers but then you could say in the next breath look what happened on London Bridge at the weekend with that guy who was released early from prison. You questioned why was he released from prison knowing his background. But anyway, let's uh, let's deal with what's happening in our own country and, and not be focused on what's happening in other countries. Anyway, a lot of commentary obviously in the paper today about uh, Lisa Smith. She was described as being happy to be home. Now, she was arrested as soon as she touched down at Dublin Airport, which I'm assuming she knew and was aware that was going to happen. She says she was relieved. Our sources are saying she hasn't spoken to the media that she was relieved to be back in Ireland. And she spoke to she even sort of mentioned to detectives when she got off the plane about the miserable weather conditions in the capital because it was raining when she arrived. She was described as calm. Just very relieved to be back. And she was then taken from Dublin Airport taken straight to Kevin Street Garda Station. Now members of her family were already at Kevin Street Garda Station in Dublin to support her while she was being questioned. A family spokesperson and the Louth TD Peter Fitzgerald he's a friend of the family he said that Lisa Smith is determined to give her side of the story once she's in a position to do so former Defence Forces member was was arrested by Special Branch as she stepped off the flight from Turkey with her two-year-old. Now, can I just say my initial thoughts when I watched this and when we saw her, I mean, she had her head covered with a, a pink blanket and you, you couldn't you couldn't see her. And obviously that was the decision made by the Gardaí as well and the people who were escorting her from the flight. And it was a normal commercial flight. It wasn't the private jet wasn't sent over for her or anything like that. She came in a normal commercial flight because passengers actually on the flight said they were shocked because they didn't know that Lisa Smith was on the plane. She was down the back of the plane. It was only when people went to the loo that they recognised her and probably people would recognise her from having seen her on uh, TV. So anyway, they went to the guard, they went to Kevin's guard station. The first thing I thought of was 
this is a little two-year-old child who is with her who doesn't know any of Lisa's family members who you, who hasn't had a very normal life for the first two years. I mean, it's lived most of its life probably in, in a tent in the camps in Turkey. So it's got a lot, that little child, that little girl has a lot of adjusting uh, to do. And I was wondering what was going to happen because I knew, I was thinking Elisa Smith is going to be arrested and she's been kept and can be held uh, for questioning initially for 42 hours because she's been held under Section 30 of the Fences Against the State Act, which means she can be detained without charge for initially for 48 hours and that can be extended to 72 hours. So I was thinking they can't have the child with her in the Garda station. So it seems members of Lisa Smith's family when she was taken into custody they are with the the child has been released into the care of Lisa Smith's family under the supervision obviously of Tusla so I do hope that that little girl is getting on okay because it must be so frightening for her that the only person she knows her mother has been taken away you know so hopefully that's all I'm I'm assuming has been handled very very sensitively and and Tusla are there the experts uh, who will be there to help out their family so we we do wish the little one all the very best. Anyway, so Lisa Smith, the investigation is going on and the questioning and it, time will tell. Will they extend out to 72 hours? Probably. They have a lot uh, really to ask her about. They, it seems the Gardaí and the state, they will have already gathered as much intelligence as is, as is possible and certainly the necessary intelligence on Lisa Smith's network of associates as well as her movements while she was in Ireland and then initially when she moved to Tunisia. However, much of, if there is going to be anything to get evidence against her to, to charge her for a crime, it's certainly not going to be found in her movements in Ireland or in movements in the early day in Tunisia. It'll be what she did on moving to Syria that's what could possibly yield any kind of evidence of if she has committed any crime. So that's what they're going to be most uh, interested in finding out. So only time will tell. But the independent TD, Peter Fitzpatrick, who, as I mentioned, is appears to be some kind of friend of the family and is also acting as some kind of a spokesperson for the family. And he's the one who has come out saying that Lisa Smith is determined to give her side of the story. We've heard bits of her side of the story in that she she was interviewed when she was in the camps. And uh, she certainly has given a, a number of interviews before. I know there was somebody from RTE on the plane and he approached her and asked her did she want to speak and she said no, that she had no comment to make and she certainly had no comment to make when she got off the plane because she was literally taken off the plane and straight to Kevin Street uh, guard the station. So, so this independent uh, TD for the Louth area, friend of the families, is saying that she wants to get her own side of the story across and he had said that Lisa Smith will be willing to do interviews when she came home and he also admitted that there has been a request in from the Late Late show. But it seems Charlie Flanagan and members of the government are taking an extremely dim view of the idea of Lisa Smith's and privately Charlie Flanagan is arguing that uh, he's strongly against Lisa Smith going on the Late Late Show. I mean, it probably would be next to the Toy Show, one of the most watched Late Late Shows. I think I certainly would love to hear what Lisa Smith has to say. I mean, I don't know if Ryan Tuberty is the right man for the job or not. And that's not taking from Ryan Tuberty as an interviewer. I just don't know 
and I'm not wishing that the girl is going to be grilled, but she 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 needs to be grilled. She needs to. It really needs to be somebody has that that sort of skill at interviewing that can really dig and really dig and really dig. So I, you know. And I'm assuming a lot of other people will want to hear what Lisa Smith has to say. And is is that Louth TD, Peter Fitzgerald, right in that she does have a right to give her own side of the story? And do we need to hear her side of the story? But I suppose the bigger question and the question that Frank in Bandon and others are asking, is it the right decision to allow her back into the country? Should we have taken the the line of the view, like what they've done in the United Kingdom, that when any... British citizen leaves of their own free will, regardless of their age, even if they're very immature teenagers, as those two young girls were, the three young girls that went, of which two are dead, and they've not, they're not allowing the third one back and taking her citizenship away. Should the same thing have happened to Lisa Smith? Are, are, are the governments just being very Christian in their views of her, giving her a chance, bring her home, let her hear her side of the story? And I'm wondering, did a lot of the reason of allowing Lisa Smith back to Ireland, did a lot of it have to do with the fact that she did have this little two-year-old who is an innocent little girl who didn't ask to be born, didn't ask to go and be part of ISIS and is an Irish citizen? And do we need to protect the little girl? And obviously, in order to protect the little girl, we have to bring the mother back as well. So your thoughts very much welcomed uh, on it. Neil in Lambertstown says, Patricia, as a former soldier myself, I'd like to see more respect shown towards Lisa Smith, who is a former member of the Irish Defence Forces. She married and things didn't work out for her. That's all, says uh, Neil in Lambertstown, who is a member of the army and uh, feels huge amount of respect should be shown to her. Audrey said how much has all this Lisa Smith thing cost the country so far? All this money should go to uh, homeless. I, well, I don't know if there's any costs involved, Audrey, because certainly she came back on a normal flight. Did we pay for the, was it four people? Did I read or hear four people accompanied her on the flight from Istanbul? But it was a normal scheduled flight from I was on Turkish Airlines so it was a normal flight there was holiday makers coming back there was four people travelled with her were they paid for by the Irish government probably but I don't know and then the, how much more costs are involved in it but anyway it's the cost side of it is the one that Audrey is uh, worried about another text in what worries me with all this with with all of this and the migrant situation who comes and stays who oh, this is asylum seekers as you talk about who comes and stays here and who is sent home the 15 illegal migrants that came in in the back of the truck into Rosselaire last week suddenly nine of them up and left we apparently can't hold them that to me is very worrying well that's to do with asylum seekers when somebody comes to this country as an asylum seeker and they're put into direct provision and actually there's a very worrying piece in the papers today on direct provision saying we're we're maxed out on direct provision I think we've 35 direct provision centres and we are full they they can't be held. We offer them. If somebody comes and says they are looking for asylum because wherever they're coming from, they're in fear of, of their life, their fear of their own safety. And under international law, 
we have to agree to protect these people while we check out their asylum status. Now we check it out. It's not always the case that what they're telling is the truth and they end up being shipped back and deported back to their own country. But for others, yes, there's a genuine reason and we do offer them. They are allowed to stay and they... They get, their, they get their asylum because they're very genuine asylum seekers. But we put them into the direct provision system and none of those people are forced to stay in the direct provision centre. They come here of their own free will and they're able to leave of their own free will. So that's why the 15 that came into Ross Air, I think the majority of them are gone, tied in with... They never wanted to come to Ireland. Their destination all along was the United Kingdom. They just got on the wrong... They got into the back of the wrong container. They thought they were going to the UK and instead ended up in Ireland. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. A reminder that we are looking for your nutritional questions for Annalise. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Santa at the Strand. It's a Santa's grotto style experience which includes a festive Christmas market, refreshments and much more. And it's running in Lismore from Thursday the 12th of December to Sunday the 15th. It's a fundraising event for St. Carthage Rest Home in Lismore. And the reason we're mentioning it today is bookings for this event closes today. So if you want your little one to attend, you need to get on to www.santaatthestrand.ie. Gagging Community Alert Meeting that's taking place at 8 o'clock tonight in Gagging Community Hall. All are welcome. And the Petition Academy are presenting Back to the 80s. It's in St. Patrick's Boys National School. It's on Wednesday and Thursday, the 11th and 12th of December. Tickets on sale at the school office by calling 022 21884. A gala floral demonstration by Eileen O'Brien in aid of Enable Ireland will be held tomorrow, or sorry, Wednesday night at half past seven in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. Tickets are 15 euro. You can purchase them in advance or on the door on the night. And Yana, the You Are Not Alone group against domestic violence based in Market Square in Mallow, are holding a fundraising table quiz in Albert Lynch's bar this Thursday. And that's got a half past eight start. And the Homeless Animal Rescue Team are holding a fundraising pet pamper day at the Spa Self-Service Dog Watch and Dry Facility. That's St. Patrick's Mills in Douglas. And that's happening this Friday between 12 and 8 o'clock. All proceeds uh, from those times will go directly to Heart, the Homeless Animal Rescue Team. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Okay, a lot of people reacting to uh, the ISIL sympathiser Lisa Smith and her repatriation back to Ireland. 
at the weekend. Jared in Middleton, how can they say that Lisa Smith's daughter was Irish? She was born in Syria, but she was born to an Irish parent. It's the same, Jared. If we go anywhere in the world and we have uh, children, once we still have our Irish citizenship, then our children. And um, and it goes back to the grandparents as well, doesn't it, in this country? Look how many people in the United Kingdom are claiming Irish passports with Brexit looming on the grandparent rule. Uh, John and Cove says this has allowing Lisa and her daughter back into this country has now opened the floodgates for her husband and his family to come and visit the child. She should never have been allowed back into this country. Her passport should have been revoked. John and Cove says the do-gooders have a lot to answer for in this country. Will she be the next one now to write a book about, about her experience like many others have done before her and she'll go on to make millions out of it? Some of your WhatsApps in on this brief. This says, listening to you, Patricia, I for one think Lisa Smith should not be allowed back. Her child, how is the, her child is, her child, how is the child of an Irish citizen? I don't quite know what what you're getting at there. Anyway, I always thought you were a citizen of the country you were born in. She was born in Syria. Thanking you, says Breatha in Mallow. Hi, Patricia. I think Lisa Smith should not be allowed out amongst members of the public as there must be something wrong with her brain and having a child is no excuse for setting her free. Certainly her child should be brought up in a friendly, loving atmosphere. But to me, Lisa Smith is dangerous. Look what happened in London at the weekend and a poor, innocent girl is now dead uh, because of it. 1850 333103 and Frick says uh, Patricia did you say she's on the late late uh, no there's a request gone in to they want her on the late late but uh, reading on one of the papers today secretly or behind closed doors Charlie Flanagan seemingly is fuming about the idea that she would be on a programme like the Late Late or I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't want to do any kind of media or publicity uh, like that. Okay, hi Patricia. How, if she did, did end up on the Late Late, how would you know if Lisa Smith was telling the truth if she was on the Late Late? That's from Eileen in Cantorque. Well, yeah, it's the same when anybody gives an interview, isn't it? Isn't it like that? And then Dennis says, Patricia, it is illegal to make somebody stateless. End of discussion. Regardless of what this woman has or has not done. And nor, not Ireland, and Ireland has a legal responsibility to provide assistance. Juice Solly, I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. It means right of soul. And then Juice Sanguis is right of blood. They're the two grounds that she and her daughter have a right to ask for assistance and to be provided with it in this country. Dennis said, I personally do have issues with her return, but again, she has rights. The very same rights, though, that ISIS would denounce. So we should lead by example and do the right thing. That's a good Christian view coming in from Dennis. Thank you for that, uh, Dennis. And someone else says, how can we check out the nine that are gone? These were the ones that came in, the 15 that came in, in into Roslair. How can we check that they are gone? Look at the families in London. It needs to stop now before it gets too late. And that's, to, that's well, yeah, OK, that's to do with asylum seekers and people coming illegally into this uh, country. How do we stop it? And how do they stop it in the United Kingdom as well? Uh, 1850 333 103. Going to leave, leave them there because I 
Donick bring on Annalise Tristan, our nutritional therapist, answering all of your nutritional questions. That's next. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryans, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Now open Sundays. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ryan's.ie. Only on C103. Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joining me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And I can see a lot of people, so we can put the all everybody's question in together. A lot of people suffering with colds, runny noses. Uh, I can see another one coming in. Uh, what, what can I take for a sore throat? Kind of a, it's, it's, is it almost like a virus that's doing the rounds? It is. And actually, I had it myself, Patricia, it's a really sticky, nasty cough. So it starts off as a bit of a kind of a throat um, head thing and then it works its way down into the chest. And it seems to be very, very hard to shift. In fact, mine is coming back now. I had it about six weeks ago. I never kicked it and now it's on its way back. So, yeah, some of these cold viruses are getting particularly... um, They're difficult, you know, for people to... For their own immune systems to manage. So... Um, I think. I so when you feel down, it coming on with the sore throat, that's yeah. kind of the first. What, what what can we do at that stage? So at that stage, what I start on is something with echinacea at least in it. So Dr. Delish Clare actually does an immune blend, and she also does a chest and sinus blend. Now the immune blend is full of um, herbs that help boost the virus and bacterial fighting capability of the immune system. So it gets all the white blood cells up and kind of ready to defend against viruses, bacteria coming in in the air, etc. So that's a great one to start if you feel something coming on. And if you can't get your hands on the Delish Clare ones, just a good echinacea, a uh, good strong echinacea, and take it three times a day. I always say as well, start on the vitamin C and zinc. Now, vitamin C and zinc is a cheap one, Patricia, to take throughout the winter months if you're prone to coughs and colds. 
So you want about 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and anything between 10 to 15 milligrams of zinc. And I also would recommend you take that three times a day. So if you feel any kind of a tickle, and I think if you get used to your body, you'll always know if your glands come up or you might feel a bit tired for no reason, headachey, um, that's a good time to start because if you can catch the virus before it gets into a cell and starts reproducing, your body it's much easier for your body to get rid of it. So then if you do end up getting a cough or a cold, um, there's various different things that work for, I suppose, different coughs. So if you have a very dry, tickly cough with very little mucus, and if it's not gone into your chest, you want something to soften and soothe. So you're looking at a cough bottle with maybe Manuka honey in it. Marshmallow is a wonderful one for kind of inflamed throat and um, laryngitis. Uh, for all those mucous membranes, it's very soothing. And the other very soothing one as well is called Mullion. And I know that Comvita, a brand, they do a range of Manuka honey cough bottles. And they have got one with marshmallow and they have another one with Mullion. So I think Mullion is probably better for uh, maybe something that's chesty with a very irritated dry cough. And then the marshmallow is very good if it's dry with no mucus. Um, the other thing that's great then if you do have a mucusy cough, what you're looking for with mucus is something to dry up the production of mucus. So the Dr. Delish Clare Chest and Sinus Blend, it's now called Mucotone. That's a great blend of herbs to do that. There's also an echinacea and a few other immune fighters in there. But if you can't get your hands on that one, you're looking for something with carrageen in there or ivy and thyme and plantago would be the three main herbs. So carrageen can help loosen up phlegm that's stuck in a chest and help you expel it and get rid of it. And then the ivy, thyme and plantago are very good to dry up the mucus. So if you've got a very dry, drippy nose or stuffy nose that's totally blocked, that no matter how much you blow won't clear, plantago, ivy and thyme are the answer there. Okay, lots of advice there. Okay, uh, stay kind of, I don't know whether this is linked or not, but a listener says, what could be the cause of persistent sores inside the nostrils? Also a little bit of bloody mucus and it can often be itchy. Ugh. So it sounds to me, actually, Patricia, that that could be a cold sore. Um, in fact, again, it's like I'm now a walking category of all the symptoms today because I have a cold sore in my nose at the moment. I used to get them on my lips, but now I only get them up in my nose. And it's exactly those symptoms. Sores develop. They take a long time to heal because the environment that they're in is very dry. Sorry, very uh, damp and warm. So it's very hard for the sore to actually heal. So the best thing that I find for myself is using the Biopropolis cream. You will get it in a health shop and um, it's ve- it's re- it definitely takes the pain out of the sore and it will help soothe it um, and clear it up much quicker. It's great for any cold sores you get on your lips as well. Uh, but it, it generally, if you get cold sores, it could be a sign that your body is running down. So if you get them on a very regular ba- basis, taking something like L-lysine, is a good one to suppress the, the um, herpes simplex virus. So you want to take about a thousand milligrams of lysine every day if you're prone to getting them regularly. And once you get one, treat it then with the biopropolis cream from the health shop. Okay, Liz. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Annalise, can you take active liver tablets when one is on blood pressure tablets? I've got fatty liver as I'm overweight by two stone. I'm eating all the right food and I am exercising. I'm in my 60s. Any help would be much appreciated. Yeah, that's very safe with the blood pressure medication. Fatty liver is getting very common now, Patricia. Um, Before, we generally only saw it in people who um, were alcoholics because 
the alcohol was converted into fats and stored around the liver. But we're seeing it a lot more now in people because of the type of um, sugar sweeteners that they use in foods. Like fructose is a big cause of fatty liver. So fructose is often used instead of sugar because people think it's a better option than sugar. It doesn't raise the blood sugar. It goes to the liver first and then the liver needs to break it down and convert it into sugars for energy. But if you don't need it for energy, the liver will store that then as fat within the liver. So you need to be looking to avoid all foods that have got things like um, high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup or fructose syrup or fructose as a sweetener. Um, that you'll find those in a lot of the diet products. Uh, so actually, you know, while you think you're doing well to cut out and have a low-fat one and one with no added sugar, they often put in these other additives that are actually more damaging to your health. So the active liver one would be a good one to use for fatty liver, but really it is about losing weight and trying to burn off that fat and avoiding all sugar and sugary foods and all fructose, limiting yourself to two pieces of fruit maximum per day. Okay, here's an interesting one. A listener says, my nails are spoon-shaped and brittle. Is there a supplement I can take? So that's an interesting one. Now, there is a genetic tendency to have spoon-shaped nails, but often it also can mean an iron deficiency. So it might be worth going along and having your blood um, checked and get your blood test done with your doctor. Um, Also, brittle nails can often be um, an indicator from a naturopathic perspective that you're not good at digesting your proteins because we build our hair and nails from protein. And if they tend to be weak and brittle and break easily, it can be an indicator of poor digestion of proteins. Now, other signs would be things like feeling uh, very full and maybe not getting constipated by after eating steak or red meat because red meat would be very high in protein and hard to break down. That could be another sign. Um, Long-term constipation is another sign of um, poor protein digestion or having a very sticky stool where it would stick to the side of the toilet. That can also mean you're not breaking down your proteins. So if it was the case that you're not digesting, the best thing to do is to take an enzyme with a little bit of HCL in there, which props up your stomach acid, and that's where a lot of protein digestion occurs. And you're also looking for something with pepsin in there. So you're looking for a HCL and pepsin supplement. That'll work um, at the kind of the, the ground level. And then you could take a supplement like biotin to strengthen your nails if they're weak and brittle. That would work for anybody whose nails were poor quality. Yeah, because I'm going to the time of the year you can go through where your nails are stronger. I, I, I don't know whether that's just an anecdotal thing with me. I've noticed sometimes the year there, they're stronger than other times. I think so too, Patricia. I find that my nails are always beautiful in the sun. So yeah, even if I yeah. get a, a week of sun in the yeah, winter, absolutely. my nails are Yeah, but I think that's because so, you're doing nothing. You're not doing any housework. I often think, is that the reason... Possibly can be, possibly, although I still have to do my housework all year round. I think maybe there might be um, something to do with the vitamin D there and the absorption of calcium. Yeah, they you definitely know? do seem stronger and weaker yeah. in, in, in the winter months. Joan says, hi, could you ask Annelise, is raw garlic as good as they say it is? And what is the best way of taking it? Thanking you, says Joan. So raw garlic is wonderful. Um, it has got so many different properties in there. Garlic would be a very good, strong antiviral and antibacterial. There's a chemical in there called allicin. Now, to act, to actually increase the amount of that chemical in garlic, what you really need to do is you need to crush raw garlic and you need to let it sit for about 5-10 minutes. And once the air kind of gets to it, it actually activates an enzyme 
that breaks down the compound into this allicin. And allicin is the very powerful antiviral, antibacterial compound of garlic. It also thins the blood. So, you know, if you're not on a blood, if you're not on a blood thinner, it's lovely to have thin blood. You don't want your blood to be sticky and likely to clot. So garlic does that. It's also full of sulfur. Sulfur is a very important element for a particular detoxification pathway in the liver called the sulfation pathway. And in um, through that pathway, actually, we detoxify a lot of old hormones. So sulfur is a fantastic one for menopause or for PMT because it means the liver is able to get rid and flush out old um, unnecessary hormones in the body. Um, also, garlic would have... Um, a very strong um, probiotic fibre in there that feeds the healthy bacteria. So it can actually make some people very windy for that reason. But that fibre that's in there is fantastic for the kind of bacteria that keep our gut healthy. So it does all of those jobs. But And the best way to eat it, obviously, is just crush it, leave it sit there and eat it raw, maybe in a salad dressing. But if you can't bear to do that, and you have to, if you have to work with other people, they won't be able to bear you either. <laughs> yeah. Um, just use it in your cooking. You can take a supplement, but I think the odorless garlic is a waste of time. Um, you can buy Allison as a supplement. Uh, there is, I have it in the shop here. It's a very popular one. People take it all through the winter months and they swear by it. So if you can't bear to eat it raw, take the Allison in a okay. supplement. All right, we leave it there. Uh, thank you for that, Annalise. Have Thanks a good week and uh, we'll talk again next uh, Monday. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you uh, up next and I'm back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until I'm Patricia Messenger. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.